0: Oh, good morning again. I'm Carl Schwartz, longtime member of the church here and speaker for today. I'm going to talk about the future is not what it was. Looking into the future has always occupied humans. The ability to formulate and act, upon plans for the future is one of the definitive characteristics of humankind. The earliest artifacts of Chinese prehistory are the so-called inscribed oracle bones, which were used to predict events and determine the course of action. The Bible is full of prophecies and warnings as is much of religious literature. Now, in more recent times, we have political and economic predictions, ranging from Karl Marx and Ralph Bellamy to Rachel Carlson and Alvin Toffler. We see sober analyses based upon scientific, statistical productions, and we also see fantastic science fiction romances, all predicting a future. Now these predictions share two features. One, they are limited by the knowledge of that time that they're made. And they, they, the predictions, whether consciously or not, seek the goals of their authors. From the perspective of time, we can see how well the seers of the past did in their predictions, and coincidentally, how well the goals that they sought fared. Let's take a look at how well the future was predicted at three relatively recent periods of our shared history. First, the predicted futures of the era of the late 19th century. By our standards, a period of hardship and conflict, but then a period of hope and optimism for a brighter future. This era ended abruptly and tragically with the outbreak of World War I in 1914. Now, second, we'll look at a more sober, but still hopeful predictions of, a world of the so-called between the wars period, which culminated in the Great World's Fair in New York in 1939 and its theme, the world of the future. And finally, let's consider what was at the time optimistically called post-war period, and how the predictions of this recent time and up to the present have changed from the earlier concepts. In his book, Looking Backward, which was written in 1887, Edward Bellamy sets his future world in the year 2000. This makes it easy for us to evaluate his estimates. In reaction to the poverty and inequity that he saw generated by the impact of the Industrial Revolution in the 1880s and the obvious waste and inefficiency that Bellamy saw, he looks forward to a world in which industrial and economic efforts are united in one big nationwide corporation, a world in which labor obligations are shared by everyone and equalized, and which wages are absolutely the same for everyone. Citizens would enter the workforce at age 21, be assigned jobs, gradually move from more menial to more responsible job assignments until at age 45 they are retired (laughs) and can, while still receiving full wages, pursue what they wish, leisure, music, sport, travel, an enjoyable lifestyle, free from care. Bellamy marshals some logical and reasonable arguments to show the possibility of such a future. He notes the great productive capacity of the new industrial and scientific world at that time, which if used and shared equitably could indeed meet the needs of all. In the 1890s Bellamy Clubs were organized nationwide and a number of political efforts were made to advance his goals. Such laws as enactment of a progressive income tax, recognition of worker rights to form and join unions did improve incomes and did move society toward more equitable levels. An establishment of social security did give some validity to Bellamy's prediction of enablement of leisurely pursuits by retired older workers. In common with Bellamy, many writers from diverse perspectives, such as Karl Marx, H.G. Wells, Michael Fouchant, all predicted futures dominated by an ever more pervasive industrial society, a society in which machines would do the bulk of the work. The challenge would be to control this industrial machine and ensure that the products would be used to better mankind through some kind of equitable distribution of that production. One American futurist, Not usually regarded as such was Henry Ford. He believed, in common with many, that by application of technological advances, use of scientific management, as advanced by Frederick Taylor, common workers would be liberated and a future of enhanced leisure, pursuit of knowledge, art, and peace would be achieved, full of Ford cars, of course, All of these projected futures of this period of the 19th century had in common an air of what in retrospect seems naive, of assuming that once the mechanical buildup of industry was worked out, then people would naturally adopt the most efficient methods and work for the common good of all, sharing this production equitably. It took the shock of World War I, its unimagined cruelty, irrational killings and destruction on a massive scale, using, indeed, much of the new industrial scientific achievement, which dampened considerably this optimistic outlook, and to reemphasize the fact that consideration of human relationships positive and negative, must be a vital part of any projected future society. The, in the Between the Wars period, this World War I and World War II, saw a proliferation of many science fiction writings predicting possible futures. In Czechoslovakia, Carl Kapuk's play, R U R, told of a future world in which ever more complex robots, that's check for workers, would perform all the menial work, freeing humans for the idyllic pursuits noted by Edward Bellamy. The robots, however, rebel. They destroy the humans, but then lacking reproductive capacity, face extinction. But hope remains. The last two robots are a new model, made male and female. They become the new Adam and Eve. Hugo Gernsback, editor of a number of science fiction magazines of this era, introduced many futuristic writers and concepts to the public. He promoted a reliance on the streamlined and mechanical Spaceships, rockets to the moon, considered a far out fantasy that time. And a united in peace world. There was also increased development of considerations of human relationships as a factor in shaping these possible future worlds. Even with the recognition that wars and conflicts were continuing, essential optimistic goodness of people was assumed by many. The ultimate triumph of the good guys was assumed. The New York World's Fair of 1939 was in a sense a culmination of this whole period. The world of the future, the theme of the fair, was a world of streamlined and clever home appliances, shiny new cars, rocket ships, automated factories and farms, and general prosperity. Human cooperation and acceptance of the common good was, in the very shadow of the looming World War II, still assumed, a world in which concentration camps soon to become full-fledged extermination camps, were already an ugly reality. Wars were, in fact, already a deadly reality in Spain, China, Finland, and elsewhere. Nevertheless, people at that time still clung to that dream of an optimistic future, a future world of peace and shared prosperity. What happened? We can say, indeed. The future is not what it was, not what it used to be assumed. The potential for war, disease, crime, was perhaps greater, if anything, in the 1890s or the 1920s than it is now. Some statistics indicate this. Yet, at that pastime, people gave wide acceptance to tomorrow will be better. People really believed and lived and worked on that belief that their children and grandchildren would live better. Today, when we scan the future, we're not so sure. The early futurists saw an ever-improving industrial and scientific capacity with more efficient machines, use of robots, sleeker cars, widespread use of airplanes and communications, anticipated the use of radio and television. In all this, they came amazingly close to the mark. Today, we can confidently predict that these trends of new technical and scientific breakthroughs will occur and continue to occur almost every day. In addition, earlier futurists predicted some type of world government, world type, worldwide cooperation, leading to a wide system of peace and prosperity. One factor in the establishment of the League of Nations after World War I and United Nations organization after World War II was the influence of these early futurists predicting that there would be and should be such organizations. It was after the full horrors of World War II were exposed that a different perspective began to show up in the futuristic predictions of writers. Not only in future expected economic and scientific achievements, but in interpersonal relationship in societal and government actions. The atomic age came at the same time as the general recognition there was a dark downside in human nature. The negatives in people, especially the quest for power, power for its own sake, must be reckoned with in any prediction of future worlds. What we call the post-war era ironic in view of the many subsequent conflicts that have, were then and are being fought was a time when futuristic books such as 1984 were written. These are books where the bad guys win. The dark forces shaped their future by shaping concepts of the past, Domestic peace is ensured by waging unending external war. Science writers, such as Rachel Carlson in Silent Spring, or Ralph Nader in Unsafe at Any Speed, also brought possibilities of a less promising future. The steady, the limits of growth also predicted a more somber future than the optimistic writers of the 1890s. The possibility of a future atomic war with its potential devastating aftermath gives an ominous backdrop to future predictions. And the culmination of environmental degradation, uncontrolled population growth, and the widespread distribution of ever more lethal weapons also made predicting an optimistic future less simple. And the psychological appeal of irrational ideological groups casts a shadow over the assumed essential goodness of people which were posited by writers of the past. The impact of limits to some of the success stories of future societies is an era area where past more optimistic writers fell short. The now famous or infamous 1972 report, the limits to growth pointed to the finite sources, resources of the planet Earth, considerations of population growth, impact of massive industrialized, (coughs) industrial, excuse me, Impact of massive industrialization, impending shortages of food supplies, pollution, even climate change meant that considerations of future conditions would have to take into account depletion of non-renewable resources. Imagining a future with people sharing on an equitable basis An ever-increasing pool of material wealth is easy. It is when the perception becomes general that resources are becoming scarce and may become scarcer, that sharing would be two smaller portions, that positing harmony and contentment becomes more difficult. Many new worlds confidently predicted a widespread increase of leisure time for people, as Bellamy predicted in his book, Looking Backward. Time for music, sports, steady, recreation of all types, while still enjoying a high level of economic prosperity and security. When, however, many people around the world see no such sure future, have little economic security, fear loss of jobs, perhaps loss of homes with no guarantee of health care, all contrasted with obvious opulent wealth for the few, a future with leisure time becomes a cruel hoax. Some of these visions of a future society made in the past, and also some predictions which we make in the present time, did not and have not, to a sufficient degree, explored the concept that people must have a meaningful part of what becomes an ongoing process that shapes the future. There is, in other words, not a finalized pattern or structure to be set in concrete, but rather a flowing stream which continues to be directed or shaped to meet needs and desires. This concept, that being a meaningful part of the process helps shape the future and shape it in a positive direction, is vital to the ultimate success of desired future goals. In recent years, the world has seen dramatic changes in the predicted future world conceived, for example, in Eastern Europe, as the entire communist system collapsed. That system was, remember, first built on an idealistic vision of a future world. Before World War I, much of the area was undeveloped farm country. Then two world wars crisscrossed the area, leaving death and destruction. Then the idealistic future was projected to be built on succeeding five-year plans. There were successes in rebuilding, increased production, and raising living standards. Yet ultimately, these visions of a new future were counted a failure. The short analysis says the missing ingredient was including the meaningful participation of the people involved. Call it democracy. Receiving portions of the massive productive capacity of a futuristic industrial machine can be bitter tasting, as noted by the writer Kurt Vonnegut in his book, The Player Piano. When this capacity, productive capacity, is distributed as grudging charity or leavings, the necessary work involved including planning, implementation, and distribution, cannot be solely relegated to a very few people who operate the machines, while the mass of people are excluded from meaningful participation. A hypothetical future society or plan for achieving such a future can of course be proposed by anyone but it cannot be imposed or dictated, no matter how benevolent it may seem. We today have knowledge and insight regarding some of the implications of our today's actions on potential conditions in the future. We know reasonably well some of the challenges we face and will face from climate change, population trends, and resource depletion. We can anticipate human reactions when populations are faced with competition for scarce resources. Many of us here, North Lake, are involved in planning for and efforts toward resolving these challenges and in seeking a more positive future for our children, for their children and grandchildren. We do set goals for ourselves, future aims, individually and as a society. Societal goals, however, must be set through discussion, debate, and consent. The work of building a future, a positive future, plans for tomorrow, next year, and the next century, must be the work of all of us. The result of involvement, and choices made at the ballot box and the tax coffers. We can take the more optimistic hopes of the past, perhaps temper that optimism with more sober assessments from the present, and still look hopefully to a better world to come. So even though the future is not what it was, we can still make it one in which our children and grandchildren will not only live well, but one in which they will also be able to look forward to a bright future for their children. So be it.